Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross alongside my man, Jack McKenzie. And finally, we have some actual football games to look back upon. We have a full slate coming up this week. Uh, A lot of, I mean, the majority of the teams in the nation are going to be in action. But, man, there was a couple of key games this past weekend I think that you got to start with, right? You got to start with the headliners, Notre Dame, Navy across the pond, what Sam Hartman was able to do um, for Notre Dame. Obviously, USC, San Jose State, that one caught a lot of attention if you were able to get Fubo or pull yeah. it up however you did that. No, I already used that uh, free trial, so, so I did not get to watch that game wayside. live. <laughs> no, they really – Oh, man, Pac-12 Network is going to be so annoying to deal with. It was already annoying, and now that it's going to be gone, right. you're just like, okay, why? Yeah, just, why? just let it be. Let Especially it since like that was one of the more electric games on the weekend. Like A lot of points were scored. Your Heisman favorite, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, was going off. So we're, what were – all right. I guess let's start there. Okay, um, we're just going to dive right in. Let's just, well, I mean, I was just trying to think. Like, other, there were other games. I really, so the games I was focusing on the most, um, I was kind of in and out of the Navy and Notre Dame game because um, I was trying to take a nap, you know, a long Friday, <laughs> doing some high school broadcasts. But that uh, was the first game. Dog, I don't stay up night. Like, man, it, it, hey, it takes me a while. I'm an, I'm an old. It was the. I'm it was one thirty. You you did you you weren't recovered by one thirty p.m. You know. The next I day? mean, I, I had heat exhaustion. I was tired. You know. You know how I'd be. Excuses. Anyway, yeah. So I was more focused in on like the obscure games that people probably weren't caring much about, like UTEP and Jacksonville State. A I true watched sicko. Oh, dude, I watched that entire thing. That was a phenomenal game. Oh, UTEP God. really blew that. Like they. They beat themselves, but it was cool. You know, Jacksonville State's first game as a FCS team. Uh, UMass, New Mexico State, I caught some of that. I thought that was funny watching New Mexico State come out with the ponchos. And, you know, I get it, but it's like 110. Let's not drain ourselves pregame. Um, Have some fun, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm all for it. I get it. It's a culture. Jerry Kill, I mean, he's a good coach. Like, I liked it. It was just like, okay, you did all this, and then UMass just waxed you. Like, so it was just... What are those catch twenty two? So, so what, what game do you want to start with? Uh, you, let's start with Notre Dame Navy because this was the first one on the day. Um, I look Sam Hartman efficient. 
looked really good. Yeah. But at the same time, and I'm about to piss a lot of people off, he was playing a JV team. Like, dude, the service academies do nothing for me. I, I cannot, I don't like watching them play. I just, it's, it's boring football. But, yes, Whoa. I said it. It's boring football. Let them go play against the Ivy League or something. It's, it's boring. I me. retract my calling you a sicko because a true sicko loves watching triple option football. It. I can't stand it. Um, no, but- like, no, no, you're, no. <laughs> you're not just going to get off the hook. One, come on. One, one, one. one. Watching triple option football is its own kind of thing. I understand. It's not for everyone. Right. But calling them a JV team. Dude, they're a JV team. Like, they'll go out there and mop the floor with most of the FCS, man. They are not JV. It's when you're playing against like when Notre you're Dame and them. Yeah, it's a JV how, team. No, how? Okay, then how many teams are JV teams? How many teams are JV teams? I'm not going to let you call the fucking United States <laughs> Navy. <laughs> JV out here when Notre Dame would go and do that to a lot of teams. They would, but it's just not fun to watch. It's to me, it's boring. I, I it does nothing for me. And like athlete pound for pound, like it's it's not. I don't it's blame not you. It was a boring game. It's not the it same. It was a boring game. It is just not don't call the them same. JV. Okay, whatever. A lot of FBS teams would get their skulls knocked in like that but by they, Notre but Dame. But they are in it. But you know what that is? I mean, I guess you know what it is with the Naval Academy and everything. Yeah, whatever. so it's not Navy being JV. It's Notre Dame being good. I got it, per se. Okay, we'll say that. Yeah. We'll say Notre Dame being good. Careful, buddy. They won't be JV My teams. uncle's a Marine. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I just, to me, I, it's not for me. But Sam Hartman did look efficient. Yeah, 19 for 23, 251 yards, four touchdowns, like... Like, that was the thing. Like, it, it, but it's hard. And here's where I'm coming from. The reads were there. Yep. Everything was there that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Like, okay, when Jaden Greathouse is literally running wide open because it's just. Here's, it's, here's my thing. I was not impressed by the receivers despite the competition level. That's fair. Like just I was, not I was impressed by the stable of running backs. I was impressed by the offensive line. I was impressed by Sam Hartman just sitting back there coolly, calmly, making his reads, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. The receivers really make me nervous for this team because if this team gets into a shootout or gets behind, can't control the clock and can't control the line of scrimmage, they are toast in my mind. Sam Hartman can only do so much. No, Not a single one of those guys popped to me like, uh, yeah, yeah, he like he could get snaps at Ohio State. That's that's kind of <laughs> no, that's fair. That's like that's, that, that's kind of my metric of like, do you have that? Do you have a guy right. on your team? It's like, could he earn a handful of snaps at Ohio State? Obviously, most guys aren't on Ohio State wide receiver levels. Yeah, but like, could he earn snaps? That, none of those guys look to me like they could even sniff earning snaps at Ohio State. Do you think that was more so? And, and it's probably going to be an unfair comparison when we go and talk USC in a moment. But do you think that's because they were all freshmen? Or is that just they weren't what you were looking for, even from a freshman standpoint, being out there? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not 100% sure of what you're saying, but yes, I, like, do take how old they are into account. Okay. Like, that, that is definitely something that, like, I noticed. I, got from, I drew that from the broadcast. It, it makes sense. I guess I would hope that even one of them would look a bit better than any of them did. Like just have that one, have that one. They don't have somebody like, that could take the top off. That's the thing. Yeah. They they don't look like they have an alpha. No, but like, I mean I think they have good serviceable receivers. Yes, I think across the board better. they all looked good and serviceable. And Sam Hartman will get the best out of them. Yes, I just honestly, if this if this offense needs to be the unit that carries that team, and I cannot read the defense against the triple option to say no, that. like it's, like, it's I, hard. It's I, I don't have a takeaway from the defense other than like. 
they were sound and consistent. Yeah. Like, great baseline. Great baseline. You need that. But I think you need to go a step deeper. We need to see them against some better competition right. to be like, oh, no, this guy pops. This guy knows what he's doing. But, like, we need to see that against the type of yeah. football you're going to see in a bigger matchup. So, yeah, like, my, my takeaway, it, it's really just, like, are they a playoff contender? They're trending up for me. They are trending up for me after that game. Like, I thought Navy would put a little more fight to them than they did. So, good on Notre Dame. They really came out, and they commanded that. That's my big takeaway from this. Yeah, I think, for me, um, Sam Hartman looked the part. I think he, in his debut, looked better than Caleb Williams. I mean, Caleb Williams was good. Caleb Williams was phenomenal. And I'm not trying to – but I'm talking, like, on that day, I was more impressed. I came away more impressed with what Hartman did with less talent than what Williams did with more talent around yes. him. More so, more skill talent around Caleb Williams right. and a higher bar because he's a Heisman winner already. Yeah. Like, and do you want to get into that game? Yeah, let's go. Uh, so it was USC hosting San Jose State. It was what time was the kickoff on that? Was that the four thirty? Yeah, it was later. No, that was later? like the, it was like the, one of the last games of the night. It was it was okay. a late game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, USC won fifty six to twenty eight. But frankly, everything I thought I see kind of came through. A defense that looked like they would still give up explosive plays and like the the front seven looks better than I than I probably yeah I mean they were able to generate some pressure it's just yeah like like you said Caleb Williams just was not as convincing as Sam Hartman maybe the bar was just higher in my mind but like eighteen for twenty five two seventy eight four touchdowns like more yards lower completion percentage same touchdowns as Sam Hartman. I don't know how the competition level quite matches up. Uh, S&P Plus has Navy at 102nd overall and San Jose State at 94th overall. Right. Take that as you will. Just, I don't the know, second play, The second touchdown pass he threw. It was the most electric game, I felt like. Like yeah. that was the that was the game where like if I could have watched the whole thing I would have been like yeah college football's back see and for me that was probably <laughs> I'll go back to being the sicko that was probably that UTEP game oh for me. my god I'm we're gonna get to that one but like but no so like I, when I'm that, that second touchdown pass that Caleb Williams threw with that bad snap and he's having to scramble back I was like all right this dude's either gonna chunk it out of bounds or he's gonna get sacked and all of a sudden he just finds the receiver going down the seam he has to turn around catch it and, and but I was like okay that right there. Shows you how special he is, yeah. like because most quarterbacks that make that play would have either it would have turned out disastrous ninety five percent of the time. But I was really impressed by that. Um, Zachariah Branch obviously stole yeah. the show, uh, but <laughs> I'm high on Zach Branch now. I'm okay. Like, I, I, I get I get the competition level. I get that it's a season opener. I get he's a freshman and he'll come back down to earth at some point, somehow, some way. But my thing, all right, look, the punt return was ridiculous. That was nasty. Just the way he set it up, the patience, he's hit the lane, and the acceleration was freaking absurd. But, and I understand, I understand the excitement, but dude, he's not Reggie Bush. There was, there was, there was just so much of that crap coming oh out of it. And I'm like, dude, can we just pump the brakes a little bit? Dude, like, can you I just let college football be back? I know, but I understand the excitement, dude. But like, are you are you telling me that doesn't remind you of it was a Fresno State, the Fresno State run? Tell me that that kickoff return did not remind you. Like, it looked same freaking sideline, the cutback at the end. He didn't stop on a dime quite like that. But like, 
Come on, man. Like, I get it, but I mean, I'm just saying, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see him do it a few more times. He's going to. He's definitely going to take the top pump off. Pump the brakes. He's a freshman. We know it. It was fun. You know, we're not I mean, letting, I get we're not it, letting but like, the truck run down the I mountainside. Just, I just like, come on. I just, like, and I understand, like, the people in USC have been just waiting, right? Like, you've been waiting so long to have the. But it's not Reggie. It, it possibly could be. I'm not, oh, you know, there's no way he's Reggie. Hell no, no way he's Reggie. But it was like. But let was me the enjoy thing. him flashing okay. the Reggie uh, skill. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It was God. fun. Did you see the seat though? That was the one. Did you see the 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 picture going around on Twitter of like the section of the seat at USC no. Stadium? All right, so they did this renovation to the press box, and they have this seat where only the only thing you can see is like half of the end zone, dude. And they're selling tickets to this. And I was oh, just like, oh, man. this is the most USC crap I've ever seen. To be fair, there are seats like that at damn near every stadium. I'm sure, but there's a, there's a certain Twitter ooh. account I saw at one point who like, it was, it's their mission to like go to all these stadiums and find just that the worst seat that. <laughs> and take a picture of them sitting in it and showing you the view. Like some of them are terrible. Some yeah. of them is like, I literally cannot see the field. Like I cannot see the field. I digress. Like it, it's it's always pretty funny to find those. But um, yeah, my big takeaway from the USC game, just to put a little bow on that that game, is I still don't know if their defense is good enough. Yeah, like I just that's the thing. Like dude, there like, were some explosive and electric plays from San Diego State, who has the S and P ninety fourth offense according to preseason rate, like ninety fourth. Yeah. And you're giving up those kind of plays, like that, see, and that's what made me get nervous. Your crap together, like they couldn't get. All right, like you had that. More, they we had pressure. I think the most pressure they had was on that sack that went like twenty yard loss. But other than that, dude, like San Jose State was not intimidated. They were able to run the ball up the gut. They were able to get the shots. And I was sitting there watching that game, like, okay, this is. And I know this is obscure, but I was sitting here thinking, okay, if th- if today USC had lined up against Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame would have beat them. Oh yeah, like dude, like that. If you're USC, that is there's no way in hell you're making the college football playoff, and there's no way in hell you have a chance of winning a championship with that defense. I think it would have been a very interesting game. Like I think it would have been close up to the end, but I do think Notre Dame would have found a way to like pull it out to like a ten point win, probably. Yeah. So I mean, it, you know, and that's one of those things where we've we've talked about it at nauseum. Lincoln Riley has got to figure that he cannot stay attached to Alex Grinch if he can. If that <laughs> continues, like you're gonna have to let him go mid season, dude. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so what game do you want to tackle next? Do you want to get to your favorite of the weekend? I mean, we can. Yeah, so you, Jacksonville you State. You freaking sicko. Jacksonville State I have, and Utah. I have this many notes on it. It's like the, the least noted game in my notebook. Well, that's fair. Um, but no, I mean, th- this game was cool, dude. Like, um, UTEP had an opportunity. They came out. Um, they were the more physical team. They outgained uh, Jacksonville State significantly. Uh, Rich Rod has that team electric. Uh, it was their first game coming up from FCS to FBS. Um, they look good. They're going to cause hell for some people. They're really fast. Um, but UTEP, man. 17 points is electric. Dude, look. It might not be. A, when I'm saying electric, I'm talking about the speed. Like, they have team speed that is really good. And, dude, it's, it's Jacksonville State. Let's just, I'm not, let's tamper the expectations there a little bit. But. I'm sorry. How, what, how many what, points does Incarnate Word typically put up I mean, probably like 40 something i don't know probably like 40 <laughs> anyway it was a fun game it was intriguing to me i thought that was one that utep let get away Every, they had the opportunity oh, to win it at the end uh the quarterback made did they just like not trust their kicker 
Well, he, he's a freshman, and he came out the first time, and he missed, like, totally freaking shanked one. And then after that, I think they were a little apprehensive to put him out there. And um, with the game on the line and fourth and what, one or two? It was fourth. Well, that's the thing, dude. They had fourth and one, and instead of lining it up, because they would get into this formation um, where they had, like, three backs behind the quarterback, and they would just push. You know, and you could have yeah. easily done that. Um, but they elected to throw it, and he was off all game long. And then he just made that errant throw. It gets picked at the end, and Jack State seals it. But And, like, he stayed in the pocket for yes. forever on that play. Like, scramble, dude. But that's what scramble. he did the whole game. And that's what was, was uh, frustrating watching it because – For the love of God, do you not have football instinct? Like, come on. Well, I, I mean – that's the, I don't know, dude. It was just it was weird. I think they should have relied more on their rushing attack than they did. They put it in the quarterback's hands, and ultimately it cost them the game. Uh, but I think UTEP's going to be fine. But it is, you know, it's, it's UTEP. We'll see. I mean, then I just remember from the highlights I watched that that receiver who dropped the early touchdown, like the long bomb. Yeah, that's got to be that was brutal. Him right that now. was brutal because like it's a fourteen to seventeen game. That's all the difference yeah. right there. Like, shoot, man. It, I, it definitely – it looked like it qualified for the Sickos game of the week. It was up there. Uh, I, I think. Are you, are you saying it's not the Sickos game of the week? I mean, I'm trying to think because it would either be that one or it would be the one I followed up with with FIU and Law Tech. I don't even have notes on that so, game. So uh, if you want to talk about it, go ahead. No, I mean, that, that, that was an intriguing game. It just got away at the end. Uh, Law Tech was able to find a way to dig it out. Sonny Cumbie's first – you could definitely tell it was his first coaching opportunity as a head coach out there. There were some mistakes. They're going to be all right. But I definitely got into that. So I missed. For, for me being a sicko and watching that, I wasn't able to really catch the Vandy and Hawaii game. Um, See, I've got, I've got two games left on my notepad. It's that one and San Diego State, Ohio. All right, we'll go Vandy and Hawaii. What you got? Vandy and Hawaii. Other than the rain and the, the stadium. lightning delay, the stadiums under construction, um, Hawaii looked better than I expected them to, and probably some of that is Vanderbilt might have regressed a bit since last year. And that was that's the crazy thing because Vanderbilt had a lot of hype. Like there was so much hype coming out for Vanderbilt this season. Like we're going to be better and all the and watching that, I'm like, dude, y'all. They were mentioning different like. This guy transferred away. This guy transferred away. It seems like they had a good number of guys who rode their success onto greener pastures. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of programs like Vanderbilt where you start seeing that happen, honestly. I will say, though, their quarterback did not look bad. A.J. Swan, he threw uh, for 258 yards, three touchdowns, 19 of 30. Like, not a bad performance. It's just you got to temper it because Hawaii was not expected to be great. Like, they're the 120th team in S&P Plus. Yeah. I loved watching their run and shoot. I felt great that they had a performance like that after after all the stuff that's been happening that's in the thing, Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they were riding some of that. So, you know, don't want to, like, crap on Vanderbilt too much because there was some emotion to the game for them. Right. But, I mean, like, Vanderbilt was lucky they weren't in, like, a very, very close one at the end. I know the onside kick nearly got recovered. The guy was out of bounds. But, like... Hawaii messed up on a couple places. Like they, they uh, towards the end of the first half, they could have scored to tie the game at twenty-one. Mm. They, f- they had a long pass play. Guy fumbles on the half yard line. They recover it. Hawaii recovers it. Thank God. You're at the half yard line. Yeah. Just punch it in. False start. Put him back five. 
missed opportunity, missed opportunity, interception, no yeah. points at all. No points at all. Like you, you, you just can't have yeah, that after a big ridiculous. play. You've got you've got to capitalize on that stuff. So it was an interesting, really interesting game to watch. It was probably the best game of the week from like a pure game standpoint. Right. Like there was back and forth. It was two teams. They were executing their offenses. The defenses didn't look terrible. Like it wasn't like a, oh my god, this game has no defense. Yeah. It was just like. You're sitting there being like, yep, yeah, Hawaii's just missing these key little things that would make this a really, really close game, mm-hmm. if not a win for Hawaii, which makes me worry for Vanderbilt this year. Dude, they are going to get they're in hell. They're, they're, <laughs> they've got the 14th ranked strength of schedule by S&P+. Plus. Dude, that, that's going to be a long they're season for the Commodores. They're projected to 3.6 wins under that model. Ugh. That's sounding like three tops. Yeah, at least. So, yeah. It was it was a really interesting game to watch. I watched the, I watched it on replay, not live. I right. I was I was actually uh, down in College Station. Yeah, doing some covering soccer. some soccer. So that's the kind of sicko I am. Anyway, I have one last game to talk about. Unless you want to no, offer that, anything on Hawaii and Vanderbilt. No, I mean I just think that when you look at the way that game went last year and how Vanderbilt blew them out. Um, I think that's what everybody expected happen again this year, right? And that's probably should have been the case. It should have. Um, but man, I don't care like, that Hawaii probably got better, dude. It, I know, and they did. I mean, it, he's anyway. Yeah, that that's a uh, um, Vanderbilt. That's inexcusable. Yeah, like that is a bad look for the league. That is a bad look for. I wouldn't go that far. I am. They're still Vanderbilt. <laughs> I, I know, dude. But like, come on, if you're, you got it. It's Hawaii, nah, man. Come nah, on. Nah, nah. The last game, what you got? Some, some Aztec action? And yeah, we got, some, we got some Aztec action. I mean, like, this game was ugly. It was, it was just terrible. ugly. It was brutal. It was gross. It was two teams that looked to be very mediocre this year, battling it out to see who would give the game away to the right. other team. And somehow San Diego State both threw more picks. No, no, no. no. Ohio threw more picks. Sorry. Got that switched up in my head. Ohio threw three picks. That was the difference in the yeah. end. Uh, San Diego State won twenty to thirteen. It just, oh my god! This it was. It wasn't even one of those games where it's like, oh, interceptions, missed field goals. This is crazy. This is like it wasn't a. It wasn't like yeah. a sicko's bad game. It was just like a no. This, this is not entertaining. So I saw where San Diego State has already started losing like their season ticket people buying the season tickets to come out. Um, and then you draw a performance like that. Like, dude, you if you want if you're San Diego State and you're wanting and trying to push to get up t- to um, the power, I guess, four level at this point, you got to be better than that. Oh, I think they know they're not getting there. Like, no, there's no I, way. I, I, at this I point. actually think their administration knows like, yeah, nope, time passed. Yeah. Pac-12 dead. We're not getting like maybe we can get the American. So was the play of that game like, the San Diego State quarterback drilling the ref in the head? With the football, honestly, I think it was that dude. That's pretty <laughs> like, bad. If that's like, where we're at, I'm sure there were there were, there were good plays in there. There were good highlights, but like that's the one I'm gonna right. remember. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's the one that everybody's going to remember at the end of the day. Yeah. But you know, it, look, it wasn't exactly the uh, most exciting slate of games. No, and there's one last thing I want to talk about. I know we're running a bit long in a second. Go. The clock rule change. Okay, I didn't notice this. I know a lot of people were. I, I, I could not even I noticed tell. it, and the one, number one thing I noticed about it, the games didn't feel any shorter. And I believe, I saw on Twitter, I believe there were 
uh, someone said there were 7.8% fewer snaps per game, mm-hmm. and game times were 1.4% shorter. Well, see, then maybe that's why I didn't notice it, because Yeah, because they backfilled with commercials. Exactly. Like, I'm literally spitting mad about this. Like, All right, get it. Dude, don't tell us you're doing something to make the game better, to protect players, to, to make the game go faster, and then just fill the time with commercials. Well, that's, that's how this works, right? It's all about the money. It's all about the money. I know. Just, like, don't, don't tell me you're doing something for the good of the game. Just tell me, like, we want more money. We're making commercials longer. Yeah. Like, who's going to stop you if you do that? How many customers are you going to lose? How many viewers are you going to lose if you just fucking say it? Just say it, Well, you're man. not going to lose any because exactly. you're not going to lose any. addicted. We're all addicted to football. Instead, you're lying to us and pissing us off. <laughs> like, goddamn, man. Dude, I think at this point, we're, we're all used to being screwed over by the, the people in charge of everything. Uh, and this is probably just another step in that direction. But I personally, I, I never even noticed it. I never thought about the rule changes. I, I, and I would get on Twitter, and I kept seeing people bring it up. And I was like, okay. Um, I'm just not seeing it, but I guess that makes more sense. I, get, I didn't even pay attention to the commercial aspect of that. I just, I did not even notice it happened. Exactly. You didn't notice. Yeah. Cause like you just trained to like, oh, commercial are on? Yep. Check out. Check out. Exactly. Just check out. You start zoning start, through your yeah, phone and scrolling. Go, yeah. Go through Twitter, go through whatever. We're and then, robots. oh, I, I heard the, I Ugh. heard the rejoin. Cool. Yeah. Like it, it's robotic at this we point. We are. We are robots. They brainwashed us. The only reason you notice it as much as you, you do is if you like if you go to games, yeah. you realize, oh, that timer used to be two thirty, not three twenty. Yeah, I think you that's, know, this I think that's that. probably when I'll notice it. When Saturday we're at McLean, I think that's when it's really gonna hit me probably. That or like, dude, just when when it's like, oh yeah, second down just happened, but yeah. it's time for a commercial break. Like, duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Three minutes and, and twenty seconds the whole in the middle of a drive, and like that's stupid. Yeah. It's brutal yeah. for the for the actual in person experience. It's not as bad at home, but it's still annoying. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Nice little. To put it on the little bow on that. I like that there. Um, but so I try. Oh yeah, you try. So um, all the other smoke around here, if we're not talking about the actual games, is this damn realignment that will not go away. What's happening with the ACC, Cal, Stanford, SMU? We're gonna supposedly supposed to get a a conclusion by the end of this week, uh, but we're gonna get into that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Once Jack walks on over and hits it, so I'm not hitting no dead air to go to the break. We. And welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. And like always, we appreciate you tuning in, whether it's live or going back, Spotify, Apple, definitely on YouTube. And make sure you go to the Crystal Ball College Football channel, like and subscribe. We greatly appreciate that. As we are on here, as well as Grayson, with what he does on his weekly segments, and Josh Neighbors daily, bringing the heat like my man always does. Jack, realignment is a story. That doesn't die, apparently. And, yeah. um, I, dude, th- this whole landscape right now where we're at with the Cal, Stanford, SMU to the ACC makes absolutely no sense. Um, I think we can all agree on this. And then the, the real thing that started. There's, there's one level where it makes a grain, a single grain of sense to me. 
But otherwise, yeah, sorry. No, uh, I, and I wanna, I'm interested on this grain. But you started seeing smoke over the weekend, uh, and this is where things just get completely um, stupid, that the Big 12, like Oregon State and Washington State, to the like, Big 12 has no interest. Like, th- I'm sorry. We've been told, we knew this. We've also been told by multiple ADs, Baylor's, Mac Rhodes, uh, the AD, Gene Taylor at Kansas State, the money's not there. Yeah. But, but the, also, that's another thing. If the money's not there, but magically there's money in all of this no, when like, you're seeing these deals. That, that's the big thing about the ACC noise that, like, just I don't understand is clearly there is some chunk of money. I believe there is some kind of pro rata for the ACC. Yes. There's some chunk of money that SMU is already freely saying they'll give up. Great. Seven the, years. The ACC can redistribute that. Awesome. So there's a little money. But you take one team's share and divide that among the other, it would be 15 to 17 teams Mm -hmm. because Notre Dame gets like a half share. And then whatever Cal and Stanford would come in with, I don't know what percentage of a share, if not a full Mm -hmm. share, they would agree to. Either way, you're still splitting up at least 15 shares of SMU's share that they're going that's not a lot of money when you split it up that many ways which means they're like they would end up pooling that probably into the like the you had a successful year pool you yeah. know the 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 unequal distribution pool and the, even if they're making like 40 million a year divided by 15 like just what it's not it's not moving the needle this is not like we're, oh, we can help. This can help us close the gap on the on the Big Two, or this puts us clearly ahead of the Big Twelve. It's just like, dude, the money's not there. No, here's the thing. So, you're, if if Cal and Stanford do come in, they're going to be getting about thirty percent. Cool. Um, and then you have your travel expenses and everything. It just makes I, you're going to have probably what about about what thirty something million you're going to get, which cool. But at the same time, like, what does this do? Like, if I'm Florida State and I'm Clemson, who are already definitely looking on their way out, if you add Cal, Stanford, and SMU, that's not making me stay put. Like, that brings nothing. Like, dude, there's nothing there uh, competitively from a football standpoint, which really drives all this. Um, You could definitely make an argument for your Olympic sports and stuff of how beneficial this would be, especially from a Stanford standpoint. But at the same time, it makes no money. So you're not beyond, doing anything. Beyond that, the uproar from coaches of those Olympic sports that are already in the ACC. Yes. Like we've already heard from the, the North Carolina women's soccer coach, who is the most successful college women's soccer coach of all time. Um, like they don't want it. No. They know how successful Stanford specifically can be. Yeah. And they don't want to have to recruit against them. They don't want to they don't want to have that West Coast competition at that level. It's just it doesn't make sense for the Olympic sports at all, travel-wise or, or money-wise. It just, none of that makes sense, which which led me to to wondering, like, could they swing football or football and basketballs only? That's interesting because... Because um, that's where the money's generated, which yeah. to me means that still trickles down to your Olympic sports even though they're not in that conference. So that, that's an interesting point because we, last week on 365 Sports, we had Gloria Navarez. She's the Mountain West uh, commissioner on. And Smokey had asked her about um, if they had any interest in taking on the remaining 
packs for as Olympic only. Like, like if you had an opportunity where the football wasn't going to come, and probably more so from Stanford and Cal, um, would you be willing to do that? And she said, yeah, I mean, we're open to all options. So I think that would make a lot more sense because, I mean, what's the point of – you can't rationalize and make me – believe that there's any benefit to these other sports having to go across like it's there's none there's for none. anybody um and then as far as the football standpoint goes it's pointless like i think people i personally feel like people look at cal and stanford like this is still the 80s or 90s um people out there don't care uh, I mean, a prime example of how much people don't give a damn about the real world and what's going on is all the Silicon Valley people going and trying to buy up that land to build a utopian city. You really think they give a shit about Cal and Stanford football? Dude, the, uh. honestly, and the people who really do probably can't afford to go to those games because of how everything has spiked out there. So you put yourself in a position where the people who actually might have cared can't even do anything about it. Yeah. And uh, Stuart Mandel had a piece in The Athletic where he, he got into kind of this, like, football, basketball versus the Olympic sports mm -hmm. issue. And he made it very clear. Cal and Stanford, while they have some of, some of the best, again, specifically Stanford, have some of the best Olympic sports teams in the nation. Like, they're competing for championships. Mm -hmm. They're winning the Director's Cup all the time they're still funded basically by football. Yes. And so if football loses funding, like they can't go independent and, and have all those sports still, and they can't go independent and have those sports competing at the level they're competing still. They can't, they can't go to the Mountain West and still have the status quo remain the same. Like sports that are successful at Stanford, sports that are championship yeah. caliber at Stanford are in jeopardy of getting cut if Stanford does not land football money and that's what i was about to say is like how many of these are we about to see get axed and because i think you're looking at that's going to have and that's what is the concerning part to me about oregon state and washington state right like i know there's been talks about can you do this weird merger thing where you take like the best of the that's not happening there's too many buyouts and stuff of the american and the, the mountain west trying to there, there's there's thing. buyouts but i will say like the idea of like a 20 team American that really truly spans the nation has a West and an East 10 teams each. It's pretty interesting to me in, in theory, I doubt it's even real, like relatively possible. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not probable, but you take the pack four, you take uh, like six or so, I think of the mountain West teams. Uh, and then you take the American, which yeah. is mostly Texas and East. And all of a sudden, you've got an interesting 20-team conference. Yeah, but it's still, like, I, I don't see, even if you did that, which it's, I, it's, I don't see it happening at all, but even if you were able to pull that off, like, does that, that doesn't automatically make you a power, like, that doesn't no, say, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying it makes No, sense. I know, but, like, that's, at the end of the day, like, it, I feel like the idea of trying to merge that would be the goal and the hope to become that to become the, um, on the Power 5 status again. And I feel like, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like they, they view that being possible because if you look at the Big 12, like they remained a Power 5 by adding four schools, well, three from uh, a group of five conference, and they, they yeah. were able to make it work. But I don't see that happening again. I really don't because the difference there was there were so many key people at, at PAC that were still. Well, it, it's not just that. It's like 
Because you don't you don't want to sit here in the middle of Big Twelve country and be like, yeah, the Big Twelve just did it better. No one else can do. It. It's like the Big Twelve only did it better because they were the first one that had to do it. Yeah, they had the best teams to pick from, and it. I think we forget about how quickly it drops off. In oh, the group significant. Of five. Like you want to sit there and be like, oh yeah, the Americans a good conference. They you know they look like a normal conference back like back before yeah. all this realignment. It's like okay, but like. They look like a normal conference, just they're all clearly a step down. The best in that conference would struggle to, like, they would have to develop their program very well to be challenging for yeah. a Power 5 conference title. So it, it's not apples to apples, it's apples to oranges. And that that was just something that I think um, people will be like, oh, but the Big 12 survived this way, this is the way to survive. It's not the same. No, it's not. I mean, because look, you grab, well, who's the best team right now in America? Probably Tulane. Like, yeah. cool, you had one good year. Yeah. And you, you got, got, you got, got to stack those. Back. You got to get more money. I know. You got to have donors. Like, yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah. So um, I don't see that being of, feasible. Speaking of tough situations as we try and round out this segment, the Mountain West has, and the American, I believe, are interested, and I believe the Mountain West has had contact, like, visited with Washington State. I believe they're planning to visit mm-hmm. Oregon State. And the, the American's also interested in them, yeah. I believe. So... I'm interested to see where they land because while it will hurt, it will hurt. I'm not trying to say it won't hurt for those two schools. I feel more confident about their options and them finding a status quo again that that works. Yeah. Because they're not they're not high and mighty about this or that. They they're not trying to hold on to this or that. They've got good programs. They've like about good programs, I'm talking like through all their athletic department. They've got good programs here and there, depends on the sport. Mm-hmm. They're just not they're not Cal and Stanford. Well, see, I think in good ways. But here's the deal: like, if we're looking at, and this this is where things get skewed, in my opinion, right? Because we're talking about all these moves being made about what's taking place on the field, the the level of what you're bringing on the field. Oregon State and Washington State bring a hell of a lot more on the field than Cal and Stanford do. Yeah. And now I feel like they could. Well, it's really going to depend on depend on the budget, right? Because are you going to be able when I mean, you get your budget cut? more than in half are you even going to be able to keep your coaches are you going to be able to keep your recruits like that's the the sketchy part but I also feel like even with a budget cut and given the circumstance they would go into whether it would be the Mountain West or the American they are in a better position than they are right now in the pack well I, I guess this year would probably be an outlier but traditionally, I think they would be in a better position to make the college football playoff because you're going to win your conference regardless. Like, dude, if they can make that adjustment, if they can get through that's that what adjustment I mean. period yeah. well, then then now I, it, I think they it, it, it depends. Cause like if they end up in the Mountain West, then they will be competing with teams like Tulane who get free reign in the American to try and build. You yeah, but I saying? also think like they're, I don't know. I, I would feel more comfortable. I'd I, love to see that matchup. I'd love to see Washington too. State Tulane battling for a playoff spot or battling in the first round of the playoffs. But Okay, so here's a, here's a question I want to post to you. Since both conferences appear to be um, interested in, in both Washington State and Oregon State, do you see those two schools going forward as a package deal? Or do you see a scenario where the American gets one and the Mountain West gets one? I think I don't think they're a package deal, but I think they'll end up in the same place. Okay, I, I do too. I think That's I think I'm, they're I both going to be looking for the best 
best deal for themselves individually. I just think that that's going to come from the same place. And I just feel like, because if you're in a situation where it comes down to like, okay, the American has this much to offer. Mountain West has this much to offer financially, but um, it can't sustain both. Like, would it be in the best interest of both to split up? Like, you know, like if, I, that's just kind of where I'm looking here, and I feel like I think like, they'll look at all options. I just don't think that's. I think they're going to stick together. I feel like this whole thing has probably made them like have some kind of bond. Like, oh, the, I think the opposite. You know, you I think for the real? opposite. I think they're like, no, we just have to look out for ourselves. Like, we like you. We're not against you. We're not trying to screw you over, but we have to look out for ourselves. No, well, that's fair. That's fair. I can see it from that angle too. I just feel like, yeah, no. I think at the yeah. end of the day, you're right. Now that, yeah, okay, it probably is. Thirty second reaction to SMU and their money situation. Screw SMU. No, like, dude, no, SMU, like, look, their money situation is, they have people there that are going to pay. I just feel like. Like, do you believe they're actually going to pay the full seven years? No. I, I, I feel like there's going to be a situation where you go about three years in, uh, you're still seeing mediocrity, you're getting just pounded, um, and then your donors are like, what the hell are we paying for? And you're also asking us to pay NIL, and you're also asking us to pay for the stadium. Uh, no, but I think it would be cool from like, uh, like our standpoint, from a geographical position of being able to go up to Dallas and watch Clemson and Florida state. Like that would be cool. As That'd hell. be awesome. But at the end of the day, no, I, I think SMU is just, they realize this is their last opportunity to get up to where everybody else is like your TCUs, Houston, like you've watched them Baylor, you've watched them go on and pass you up. Um, and they know that they're going all in. And I respect that. But at the end of the day, I don't see them feasibly being able to pay out seven years. I think they could. I don't know if they'd have the stomach for it. And at the end of the day, I think they'd be wasting their money because I think just three years past that seven-year mark, it's everything will change. And SMU will just be back on the chopping block. And it won't matter that they were in the ACC unless they did well in the ACC. And I don't think they're going to do well in the ACC, which means – they're just going to be back in square one being one of those teams that are like, please keep us in, keep yeah. us in. And they might get chopped again. I agree with that because, I mean, I, I've said it, and we'll get, make this a whole segment on another day, but I feel like at 2031 or so, we're going to see the whole landscape of college athletics change into different groups and tiers of football. <sighs> I, I hate how in the last year I've come to agree with you more and more on it that. Sucks. It, it really it does. Sucks. But, I mean, it just is what it is. All right, so for the final segment, we're going to look ahead at the week one games, and we got about five on the docket that we're going to dive into of our top games coming up. But you're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and it is time to look ahead to week one of the college football season. A lot of good games on the slate, Labor Day weekend, and it will take you all the way through Monday night as Clemson and Duke kind of close out the week. Uh, that's yeah. going to be an intriguing matchup. That, that one didn't really hit you before so, the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's, full disclosure, um, putting this together, I, I added that game on this list, not realizing the that. The game's on my list too, but well, I, when I you wasn't st- thinking like you we're going to have talking a whole other show. I was show. like, yeah, we're going to have a whole other show before that game's played. And I was like, damn, like why didn't, I, I probably should have registered that, but you know, hey, <laughs> no, I'm, man, I don't blame I'm not you. the brightest it's light It's weird having there. college football on Sunday and Monday. I like it though. Like, I mean, I mean, it, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of the weekend. Don't get me wrong. You know, especially, if, you know, not having because I, <laughs> I mean, some of some of these the Sunday game, like the Sunday game, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's one to get into. LSU but, Florida State, by the way, in yes. case you didn't know. Yes, go Tigers all day. Um, 
But it's really going to get started Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have Florida headed out to Utah to take on the Utes. Um, last year, we saw Florida get the dub. Anthony Richardson really took that game over at the end. Um, we don't know the status of Cam Rising. I don't think he's going to play personally. That's just me. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing someone mention how the lines shifted. Uh and uh, I believe that might be related to Intel on Cam Rising. But yeah. Let me. I, so yesterday, I'll reload the page and see. <laughs> I was listening to the the Billy Napier um, press conference yesterday, and he was talking about how, regardless of the situation, and I mean this is common sense, right? They are prepared for any of the quarterbacks that come out there. I'm also thinking like, Jaquindon Jackson could be. Um, the X factor here because he's played quarterback. He's even played quarterback at Utah. Uh, could you see some packages drawn up for him? Uh, that would be something that you might be able to sneak in if you're Utah, but yeah, you know, it, it we'll just see. depends on how much faith you have in the yeah. backup. And I get the feeling Kyle, Kyle Whittingham, he's got faith in his backup. So oh, absolutely. I, I like, I figure if they're in a tight spot, they've got a package ready where they're like, we feel confident in this. It's going to switch up the pace. It'll it'll throw Florida off a little, mm-hmm. and it gets the ball in the hands of one of our most talented guys. But, like, I don't know if they're going to need that because, frankly, I'm nervous if I'm a Florida fan about the way this year is going to go. Yeah, I just I, – look, I think they're going to be better than last year. Uh, well, let me say that. Let me Let me – they might not be better than last year. Graham Mertz is the the one, the question mark there. Do you have any faith in Graham Mertz? That's no. what, that's that was one of my questions going no, into not, this. Not to get too deep into this game because there's a lot to cover. But yeah. like, but no, no, okay. I don't. Utah's a, about a seven point favorite. Some books are getting that down to like a four and a half point favorite. But I feel like Florida is going to put the ball, take the ball out of Graham Mertz's hand. They're going to rely on their dynamic duo of running backs and Montreal Davis and Trevor Etienne. I think they're going to try to eat up the clock. They're going to try to use their offensive lines and just control the trenches. I think they could. They feel like they have the depth to rotate in and out. And plus, you're also balancing um, up against the um, altitude, which is an issue as well. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things I think Florida's going to have to do is rely on their um, rushing attack to beat Utah. So that's a big Thursday matchup, and we'll, we'll get into the whole Big 12 slate later. Uh, but looking at kind of the, the big-name matchups of the week, like it looks like a weak slate. I mean, game days at South Carolina, North Carolina. I think South Charlotte. Carolina I think South Carolina beats the dog shit out of North Carolina. I think North Carolina takes a major step back. Um, Drake May is going to ball out. But that's it. Like, I think that is it. That'd be one hell of a result because the line's at two and a half in favor of North Carolina. That's cool, but I'm expecting a tight game. I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. The way South Carolina turned it on at the end of the season last year, um, I think South Carolina handles them personally. I think South Carolina lost a lot of players. We'll see. Yeah, I just I'm not I'm not like sitting here being like, oh man, what a game! Yeah, no, and, I, but I feel like and, that'll and, be a and, good And Big one, Noon but. is at Colorado TCU, and again we'll get to we'll get to the Big Twelve. There, what what non Big Twelve games, and not like the Big Twelve has ones that are standing yeah. out, but like what non Big Twelve games stood out to you other than like LSU, Florida State, uh, UTSA, and Houston? Well, no wait, that, I can't That's say that. That's a, a Big, big 12, Twelve game. game. Holy crap! It's a Big Twelve game now. That Bruh. is terrible. Uh, because like I, I've got like. I was trying to make a list 
of just like, okay, these are the ones that kind of catch my interest. If I could sit on my couch all day and watch, these are the ones I might have on. Let's see. I've got Virginia, Tennessee. Uh, no, I think Virginia. I, I, I think Virginia is in yeah, for ten, trouble. Tennessee is like a twenty-eight point favorite, and that's in Nashville. Uh, Boise at Washington. Boise State at Washington. Like, no. Washington's a two touchdown favorite. Like, eh, it, it's really just I like Boise. The brand yeah. has some value to me. Uh, otherwise, like, obviously, you got Clemson, Duke Monday night. We already mentioned that. That'll be an interesting one. And again, we'll get to LSU, Florida State here in a sec. But like. Listen to the matchups I had to pull to start being like. I know I'm looking through this. I'm ones. like, when you said the non-Big Twelves, like Louisville, mm. Georgia Tech, started the like no. started the Brom era at Louisville. Still, they should win that. Old Dominion at Virginia Tech. Remember, like years back, Old Dominion pulled an upset. Yeah, the, no, Old Dominion's like really good for an FCS program. Like really good. Yeah, still, it's the, like, like th- this is the level of games I'm pulling. That Nebraska, be. Minnesota on Thursday night. That one's intriguing. Um, that, is it? It really is. Because Matt Rule's first game there, uh, what can, like we know how he does with programs. He gets off to a slow start. Jeff Sims, is he the dude at quarterback for them? Uh, that's one I am kind of intrigued by. Maybe I'm a sicko. I don't know. Yeah, we've thrown that word around a lot today. A true sicko's game, though. One with a very interesting line. Fresno State at Purdue. Uh, no, I, I don't... I. It's a four-point line, dude. A four-point line for a Big Ten home team. Yeah, see, I don't think people really understand. Like, I want to see Graham Harrell. I want to see Hudson Card. Like, I, I want to see Harrell's offense with Card. He's yeah. like, I, I, the I don't line, see that the being line, close. That, that's an interesting one to me. I like, I think I'd be hammering the Purdue lot, like Purdue minus four on that, like against the spread. I, I, it's just that one, that one stood out to me. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State and in Indiana, just a Big Ten matchup week one. Uh, Cal at North Texas. I don't uh, know. I think North Texas beats them. Honestly, same. And then Coastal Carolina at UCLA. Like, that is the slate we're dealing with. What this about week. Hawaii and Stanford? I think if Hawaii, you know, I mean, I should have, I probably should have written that one down. I mean, that could be intriguing because we don't, Stanford's got so many distractions. Um, but, Stan- Stanford is. At best, a touchdown favorite, if not like a field goal or, or a bit. I mean, that's one to keep an eye on. I think East Carolina at Michigan. I mean, Michigan will obviously no. pull away, but I mean, no, that's, that's could be intriguing. Even, that's, no, that's not even a question to me. What? This is a Michigan team that has national title asp- uh, aspirations. and No, I know. I'm, Michigan's going to beat them. I'm just thinking like the first quarter or so, that could be fun. Miss me with that first quarter crap. I'll take the first quarter of entertainment, then I'll... If it's, SES, when it's a if it's SES, yeah, sure. <laughs> but we're talking about East Carolina. They're in the American. They're in the best non-power conference. True. Like, no. If you want, if you want to get me interested, like, don't tell me. Oh, you know. What about Coastal? Does, does, is Coastal Carolina and UCLA do yeah. anything for you? Yeah, I mentioned it. Like, I'm interested. I, I don't know how bad UCLA is right now. In, I just, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Coastal. Uh, I'm looking at this. They've been an interesting program lately, but. Honestly, dude, like looking at Sunday, not uh, like prior to the LSU Florida State game that we'll jump into in a moment. Uh, Oregon State, San Jose State, the way San Jose State pushed USC, nothing. No. no. Oregon State's a worse matchup for them. Oregon State's just going to grind them to hell and back. Could. 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 
I think yeah. that would be anyway, an interesting let's, one. Let's get into this LSU Florida State game because we are running <sighs> out of time. Okay, so first off, uh, NCAA screw you uh, for Mason Smith not being able to play, even though he did make a poor decision with Keishon Butte, who I'm glad has gone from the program. Homer take. And not being able to play. Uh, but, yeah, that homer is a homer take. take. No, he did make a mistake. I get it. But at the end of the day, it sucks because uh, he got hurt there last year. Um, I feel like this is one where Florida State has got to get pressure on Jordan Travis. They did not get a sack against him last year. Can Harold Perkins, like, spy him and take the game over? I need to see the pressure there. Um, I think that it's really going to come down to – LSU secondary and those corners being able to contain the freaks that are Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Yeah. Like, dude, I, they, I was about to say, I think this game comes down more to, in a more general sense, Florida State's offense versus LSU's defense. Absolutely. And, and I think that, like, dude, if LSU can't create pressure, they are going to be in trouble because the, like, that is, I don't care how good you are. Like, when you're dealing with a 6'7 freak that can jump through the roof, like, and all Jordan Travis has to do is just toss the ball up, like, that is a mismatch nightmare. It'll be very interesting to see what Jaden Daniels' like progression has been over the offseason because from what, what I've heard, like, he has taken a clear step forward, at least in confidence level and understanding of the offense. And he was playing last year at a high enough level to beat Bama. No, he like, was. I, I'm not worried about Jalen Daniels. I'm not worried about the passing attack at all. I think it's going to be uh, probably better than it was last year. I'm worried about the rushing attack. Like last year, LSU did not live up to expectations with their running back room. Uh, just going to be running back by committee this year. Um, I, they need to get this established, and you need Will Campbell in that offensive line to not let Jared Verse and them get the pressure, and you need to eat the clock up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if LSU wins this game, do you feel like you are a college football playoff contender? No. Uh, I I think I LSU think yes. I mean, look, dude, they could be but I, I'm high on Florida State, so take that take take that with a that that grain of salt. But like I think they if they win this game, unless it's a fluke in some way because of a bad call or or, or a crazy stupid play from Florida State, like I'm feeling like, yeah, they're a legit contender. I have questions about Bama. LSU could win the West. LSU could be that no, team absolutely they that, could. that has one loss out of the SEC, and that loss is just to Georgia, or, two, or the two-loss team that, that didn't win their division but like doesn't have that brutal second loss to Georgia in the, in the title but, game. But you're also not going to have to – you're also going to need to not um, lay an egg against A&M. And you're not gonna let need to let freaking old Miss jump up because I'm I'm that yes, old Miss that game is I'm nervous. So anyway, I feel I feel like LSU is still about a year out. Personally. Big Twelve. I've got four games. I, eh, five games. I've got five games. I want to at least mention quickly. We got to do this quick because yeah, I yeah, do have go. to get to Dave Aranda's presser. Yep. Colorado at TCU. Number seventeen TCU. Eleven a.m. TCU's favored by twenty one points. It's going to be a blowout, right? It is. I want to see what Alton McCaskill can do for Colorado uh, coming over from Houston. Can Shadur Sanders actually compete against a Power 5 defense, and especially with a, when you got like Johnny Hodges just sitting there in the middle? Um, I think TCU rolls them, and I'm interested to see what Chandler Morris looks like in Kendall Brown's offense. Yeah, that offense is going to be something to watch. I am really particularly interested in J.P. Richardson, the Oklahoma State transfer. Yes, receiver. that's another one. Uh, now, you mentioned Houston. UTSA Houston. That is probably the closest line of the week. 6 p.m. on Saturday. It's a one-point line in favor 
of UTSA. Give me the Roadrunners all day. Frank Harris is a better quarterback than Donovan Smith. He returns four offensive linemen and two of his three receivers from last year. Uh, this game went into triple overtime last year with Houston getting the dub. I like the culture around Jeff Trailer and UTSA, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Trailer is eventually the coach at Houston or Texas A&M. Dare I say it, Trailer is clearly the better coach in Absolutely. this matchup. Hands down. At least right now. Not even close. Holgerson's done good stuff in his career, don't get me wrong, but right now I'm taking Trailer every day of the week. West Virginia at Penn State. Another should be blood 20-point line in favor of Penn State. Man, Penn State's going to run it's the ball down their throat. It's an interesting-looking matchup in my mind. I, look, I, it's, I, it's, it's one of those old kind of rivalries. It's a regional game. I think Penn State has um, a lot to prove this year. I think they know that they, they can't come out and be lackluster. I think they make a statement win against West Virginia. Yeah, Neil Brown's. And I love Neil Brown, but I feel Brown's bad for the man. Hate his day on yeah. Saturday. Um, also, that's on NBC because NBC is now now the home Big of the Big Ten. Ten. Yep. Tech at Wyoming, six thirty on Saturday. Fourteen point line in favor of Tech. Rec Omen, it'll be more than fourteen, but Tom Tech is done with them. It's an interesting road trip to have to take at the start. Wyoming's uh, always one of those teams that give people hell. And I mean, I got to see something from Shuck. People keep telling me Shuck's great. Shuck, Shuck's going to be good. Tech's offense should look good. I like they, they're number fifteen S and P plus offense preseason. They're not going to be that good. Bullsh. We'll see. Anyway, last one that I really want to mention: Sam Houston State at BYU. This is going to be fun. I love Casey Keeler, what he's been able to do with Sam Houston State. They sat out like a majority of their roster last season so they could get prepared for this year and making the jump up. I think Sam Houston State keeps it interesting, but at the end of the day, BYU handles business. Yeah, that's going to be one of your one of your late games on Saturday. 9-15 kickoff. Provo should be rocking. It will be rocking. And it's going to be great to be back. There, there's a full 14-game slate here for the Big 12. 14-game, 14 14-team. 14 it's going to be a fun freaking week. It's going to be a fun year, but there are plenty of dud matchups in there. So I think the Big 12 gets out of there with two losses, UTSA and, and uh, Penn State beating Houston and West Virginia, respectively. 12-2 and two is a pretty good start to the year for the, for the It conference. really is. It really is. But we will see. And coming up later this week, we are going to do our picks. We'll have that separately. I think we're going to drop that probably Thursday or Friday, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but thanks for listening whenever you do. Make sure you like and subscribe. This has been the College Chaos Podcast.